Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the existential Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. How are you tonight, Thomas? Existential, evidently. Yes, existential. Okay. <laughs> Got that book of adjectives out. Yes. All right. All right. Good. How are you? So far, so good. Yeah, you know, we, we've been relaxing. Our show ended this past weekend. Everything's over. Yep. My show's over. Steven's show's over. So All over. We're enjoying a little hiatus. Okay. Yeah. We got through the snowstorms. Yeah. Fucking snowstorms. Fuck you, snowstorms. Are we doing Grump of the Week yet? No, not yet. Not right. yet. Okay. I will, I'll, I'll move on then from that topic. We got ready now. Everything else is good? Yeah, everything's good. Everything's fine. Yeah. Everything's same as it ever was. Okay. Is What's that... his name said that? Same as it ever was. Yeah, that was uh, same the Talking Heads. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, did you hear about the whole brouhaha about Neil Young and Joe Rogan and Spotify? Uh, yeah, you know I did. I, and I, you know me, I love a brouhaha. Yes, I know you do. Um, and this was a good one. Yes, it was. This was a good one. I, I they don't like him, so get you can't use my music. No, no. What he basically said is, as long as you're allowing Joe Rogan's podcast to go on and espousing misinformation about masking and the vaccinations, then I would request that Spotify not play my music anymore. Okay. So, so Spotify it, comply with his request and withdrew Neil Young's music from Spotify. Then Spotify Joni, did what he wanted. Yep, and okay. then Joni Mitchell also made the same request. Okay, so... And another did. musician named Nils Lofgren, I believe, also joined him. Okay, and all four of them have their music taken off? All three of them, yes. Okay. So, I was wondering, because other people are wondering, you know, because we're uh, broadcast on Spotify. Okay. And were we going to remain on Spotify? Okay. And I was of two minds about it. I was like, number one, yeah, I love what Neil Young's doing. I think more power to him as long as, you know, he has no problem affording being able to do this. The man's a millionaire, you know. But we're not. We're just a, some rinky-dink little podcast that no one really gives a shit about. We're not even rinky-dink. Yeah, I we're know. like rink. <laughs> <laughs> so my feeling is, you know, how can we be supportive without hurting us at the same time? So I figured the best way to do that is to advise our listeners that our podcast is available on plenty of other uh, podcast providers and to please make free use of them. So if they choose not to listen to Spotify, they could pick us up somewhere else. Yes, exactly. All right. So I think it'll be more of an impact when many listeners stop using Spotify yeah, instead of one little stupid podcast not using Spotify. When you 900 people turn your back on Spotify, things is going to change. We can only hope. We can only hope. We can only hope. You know, we're going to stay tuned and see what happens. Well, well, that would be Spotify really actually, because of all this brouhaha brewing, they released a statement saying, oh, well, this is our policy concerning misinformation. And it, their policy basically allows Joe Rogan to keep on doing what he's doing. But was Joe Rogan the only guy doing what he was doing? I don't know. Like, why is it Joe Rogan? Is, is he I don't that know, but he, well, he, but he, well, the thing is, Spotify just, like, gave him, like, a multi-million dollar contract to keep on his podcast services. Okay. So that's why this is so much in the spotlight now, too. It's like, you know, we know Spotify was not going to drop Joe Rogan over this. Not that this multi-million dollar contract, you know? 
All so, right. so everyone's um, still waiting. To, so this is what Spotify did was like saying, "Oh, well, this is our policy now concerning misinformation, and we're going to post advisories on podcasts that discuss these issues or whatever." Are there other podcasts that do similar material to Joe Rogan, and why are they not targets? Probably because they're not high profile like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Well, you're talking high. Joe profile. Rogan gets millions and millions of listeners. I don't know who he is. I, he's he, he's an actor. He's, well, I know who he is now. You know, but if he came up and kicked me, I wouldn't be able to identify him by name. Oh, okay. You're fucking shithead. I, <laughs> never mind you. <laughs> <laughs> nice warm greetings from inside the house. Yeah. Right. All right, so yeah, that's that's a thing, and uh, so so we're gonna stay on Spotify. We're gonna stay on Spotify for we now. Have no dog in this fight. Like, no, like we you we really expect. don't. But like I said, I want I want. I think I thought it was incumbent on us to show some kind of support, being that we provide so much information about COVID and masking and vaccinations, and try to give as accurate as information as possible. You and know? also about your dogs too. We just don't do it about humans. Yes, this we is give true. you COVID information about your animals. That was one of our most recent podcasts. Well, your dogs. Yep. I don't know shit about cats. <laughs> and birds. Sorry, bitches, you're on your own. <laughs> so that's that's it about Spotify and okay. us. Our corporate sponsor. Are they a corporate sponsor? Well, they're not a they're not a sponsor. They're a podcast provider, so they're a, a service provider or a platform. So if I said "fuck you, Spotify," nobody on Spotify would ever hear about it. Well, they might. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> I, you know, well, you know, <laughs> depends. I know. I don't know much sure on what. I'm not, I, 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 well, threat level. I, I'm on this kick. Like, I, we're not much of a threat. No, God, no. To anybody. Yep. Except us. Yep. Exactly. Keep going. Okay. Are we petting yet? Yeah, we're going into our first segment of heavy petting. Okay, we're talking about the dogs now. Well, and not exactly. We're going to talk about the people who care for our dogs, veterinarians. You fuck with this topic more than any other. <laughs> I do? You find amazing wiggle room to introduce new things inside of this heavy petting. Of course. It's just an observation. You're not, you're, not, you're not really so liberal when it comes to certain topics. I gotta get out of my head voice here. Well, like, what topics do you think I should be covering under heavy petting that we haven't covered already? This oh, I have absolutely zero thoughts on that. I mean, this is our 22nd episode now. Yeah, 22nd, yeah. You know, which means we've discussed dogs and pets 22 times. Okay. So... So what, now we're talking about veterinarians. Veterinarians. What do you care for our dogs? Well, in a recent study that was conducted by Merck Animal Health, which is a subsidiary of Merck, and the American Veterinary and Medical Association of the nation's vets and their support staff, the percentage of veterinarians with serious psychological distress increased from 6.4% in 2019 to 9.7% in 2021 due in large part to the ongoing pandemic. Among the staff members, the prevalence of serious psychological distress was twice as high at 18.1%. In addition, half of the staff respondents and a third of the veterinarians reported high levels of burnout. And 92% of the respondents rated increased stress as one of their top mental health challenges. 88% 88% cited student debt and concerns about the risk of suicide as leading stressors for veterinarians. Student debt on average for a veterinarian student is $150,000 on average. Veterinarians are 2.8 times more likely to commit suicide than the general population. How many times more likely? 2.8 times. Look up dentist. Dentists? Yeah, how, how, what's, the, what's the percentage of dentists? 
Why do we care about dentists? I don't know. I thought we were a caring, loving group. We're talking about veterinarians right now. Veterinarians. You want to talk about dentists? Go on another fucking podcast. They're working hard. You asked me. (laughs) They're working hard. Uh, The veterinarians, their staffs, their peoples. You know, the people who walked off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And only one-third of the respondents indicated that they had healthy methods for dealing with their stress. Who has a healthy method for dealing with their stress? If there was a healthy method for dealing with your stress, you wouldn't have your self-help guru money-robbing, life-ruining people taking advantage of people who were looking for exactly that. Yep. Well, along with the pandemic, other factors included the shortage of qualified staff. Lack of resources for uh, of mental uh, health resources for lower paid support staff, uh, veterinary clinics being shorthanded due to employees spending time away from work due to illness of themselves or their families in a pandemic. Uh, staff members are working longer hours, and just the stress of providing service under these requirements and the risk of exposure. I feel badly for them. Yeah, but uh, along with the hundreds of thousands of millions of other people who are suffering similarly. Well, we we always think about the caregivers during the pandemic. We always well, think about the doctors and the nurses of humans, yeah. of course. But we don't think about the people who care for our pets. You know, especially since pets are great stress relievers for their humans. And you know? evidently during that first year of COVID, there's this thing, COVID animal, COVID pet, COVID, where people would people got dogs because now they're home. Right. That you can't leave. You yes. can't go out. So so now that we're home all day, let's adopt that dog that we never talked about. And now about. pets are more and more pets are being given to rescue shelters or whatever. Now well, first of all, of it's more pets now for the veterinarians to deal with during the height of the pandemic yep. to begin with. And then a year later, it becomes, holy shit, all of these dogs are being abandoned. So, yeah. Well, it's funny. I was also reading, there was another article I love my in uh, The Guardian, which is a UK newspaper. Right. They had an article... About veteran veterinarians and their staff getting death threats from pet owners. Oh, for fuck's sake. Over their treatment of their pets or whatever. And yeah, that they're just getting really aggressive over there. Yeah, well, Which I'm sure is happening here. We're just not hearing it being reported. No, but here we do it to elect, elect, election officials. Yes, yeah. We do it to school board members. Exactly. You know? Our death threats go higher. And then the retail people who ask you to wear a mask. You know? Higher up and That's down. That's who we do yeah. it to. But yeah, so right. be kind to your veterinarians. They're the yeah. ones taking care They're of taking the pets who are taking care of you, you know? We now move on to today's birthdays. Why did this hit me broadside? I was not expecting today's birthdays. Go ahead. Today's birthdays. So yes. Otherwise known as the list of the dead. Yes. Thunder crashes, lightning, <laughs> flickering lights. Fog, 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 more fog. The first one I'll give you, he was born on February 1st, 1901. He was born in Ohio, the son of an oil well, oil well driller. His mother died when he was only 10 months old. Henry T. Ford. Nope. He was a shy, soft-spoken child. He was raised by his stepmother, who was most responsible for his later impeccable appearance. She really emphasized grooming and impeccable clothes with him. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. After working with his father in Tulsa, he joined stock theater companies and tent shows. He moved to Portland, Oregon, and his acting coach, Josephine Dillon, paid to have his teeth fixed and hairstyled and basically molded him into a better actor. Is it Oregon or Oregon? I don't know. Oregon? Oregon? Probably Oregon. We'll have to find out. Yeah. Um, well, hold on. Is this that little nebishy guy who was in To Kill a Mockingbird as the, he was the kid in To Kill a Mockingbird? No. Harper Lee wrote about 
this guy. No. Who you know? You no. know what I'm talking about? Yep. Say his name. Who? The little the 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 Quentin type. Oh God. Okay. Uh, what I'm talking about is the in To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. There's the kid next door who comes to visit, and he's always Boo Radley. Ones. No, he comes. Boo Radley's the neighbor. He he. Oh, you mean the character who's based on Truman Capote? Truman Capote was where I was headed. Okay. Are you talking about Truman Capote? No. Thank you for that extreme. I don't ex- think Truman Capote's father was an oil well driller. I don't know anything about that. He was working Capote's. on him. Well, I just told you this person that I'm talking about worked on oil wells. Do you think Truman Capote worked on oil wells? He always was rough trade. In 1924, he went to Hollywood. He eventually married his acting coach, who became his manager. But he returned to the theater when he only got bit parts. In 1930, he divorced uh, Dylan and married Texas socialite Maria Franklin Prentice Lucas Langham. And he moved back to Hollywood. That's a whole lot of words for one person's name. <laughs> yes, it is. His first talking film was 1931's The Painted Desert, where he played the villain. Later that year, he starred opposite Joan Crawford in Dance, Fool's Dance. Frederick March. Nope. Nice yeah. guess, though. Later star, he starred with Crawford in Possessed, during which they had a very public affair and had to be told to knock it off. Oh, uh, well, you know, that Joan, once she liked riding something, she was going to ride that shit home. Right. In 1934, he starred opposite Claudette Colbert in It Happened One Night, which was the first movie to sweep all five major Oscars, including Best Actor. Paul on Reed. Nope, not Paul on Reed. His later films included playing Fletcher Christian in 1935's A Mutiny on the Bounty, 1939's Idiot's Delight, where he actually sings and dances to Putting on the Ritz. Steve Martin. Nope. And 1939's Gone with the Wind. Mouse. Are you expecting me to say Clark Gable? Yes, that's exactly what I'm expecting you to say. Is it Clark Gable? It's Clark Gable. Clark Gable. Yes. He was married to he married to actress Carol Lombard from 1939 to 1942. She died in an airliner crash near Las Vegas in 42. Did she really? Yeah. Yeah, it was very tragic. She was coming back from uh, uh, selling war bonds. She was on a tour for that. And what were you doing that day? Not even... <laughs> A glimmer in my father's eye that day. Okay. Following his her death, he enlisted in the Air Force. He was supposed to be in the film unit, but actually ended up flying in five combat missions as a gunner. Oh, dear. After he was almost killed in the last mission over Germany, MGM pressured the uh, Air Force to have him transferred to a more safe locale. They brought him back to the States. He, re- he uh, achieved the rank of major, and he received a number of military honors for his service. He continued making films through the 40s and 50s. His last film was 1961's The Mitfit, Misfits. Oh, Do you know who that goes Nobody ever saw that movie. You saw that? Nobody ever saw that movie. Is, 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 I saw it. The unfinished Marilyn Monroe movie? Well, it was finished, but uh, it, it was their last movie. His last movie, Marilyn Monroe, uh, Montgomery Cliff, and Eli Wallach and Thelma Ritter were all in it. Wow. Yep. In 1949, he married Sylvia Ashley, a British model... And an actress who was the widow of Douglas Fairbanks. They divorced in 1952. In 1955, he then married Kay Spreckles. I love that name. Who gave birth to Gable's only son four months after Gable's death in 1961. Oh, ouch. Now, here's a tidbit of history that I didn't know. I want to know about the son. 
Well, I have something even more to tell you about. Go ahead. During the filming of uh, The Call of the Wild in 1935, he that was, was in... John Crawford? No, that was with Loretta Young. Loretta Young. She became pregnant with Gable's child. Loretta did? Yes, she did. That hoa. And, of course, she was married, I think, or he was married. So, what happened was she basically hid the pregnancy from everyone. Okay, like, because that's what a respectable girl does. Yep. When the, after the baby was born, she arranged to give it to an adoption agency or a shelter or whatever. Okay, that's responsible. And then she arranged to adopt the baby herself. She put her own baby up for adoption, which so she that then she later could adopt it. Exactly. And the to baby avoid was, the view of... Wow. And the baby was born in 1935. Her name was Judy. Who is this? Loretta Young? Loretta Young. Of course, everyone... Assumed it was Gable's daughter because of the way this child looked with the big ears and the face. It looked like Gable. And that pencil mustache. Right. But no one ever really said anything about it until five years after Gable's death when Judy, the daughter, confronted Loretta Young and she confirmed that, yes, that Gable was her father. Uh, Loretta Young died in 2002 and then she confirmed it in her autobiography that was published after her death. The daughter, Lewis, Judy Lewis, she died in 2011. But in 2014, Loretta Young's son, from another marriage, came forward with the story of how she was sitting, he was sitting with 85-year-old Loretta Young. They were watching Larry King's show, and there was an interview going on, and the topic of date rape came up. And Loretta asked his son and daughter-in-law, who was there, to explain what date rape was. And they did, and she said, oh, that's what happened to me and Clark Gable. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, doesn't he have that reputation? He anyway? had a reputation as a notorious womanizer. Basically, he cheated on every woman he, he was married to, you yeah, know? Yeah, but that's not this. Well, he was he was married when this happened. No, I'm talking about, doesn't he have a reputation for sort of shady, slippy, a Mickey-type dealings with women? That I don't know. I may have made that up. That I don't. I think you may have made that up. I may have. I'm very creative like that. Yes, I know. Facts? <laughs> But that's the story of Clark Gable. He died in 1961 of a heart attack. Dear Mr. Gable, I am writing this to you. And I'm sorry, I hope 1960. That you will read it so you know. <laughs> I'm just another fan of yours. No, that's wrong. Because that's how it ends. And I thought I'd write to tell you so. You made me love you. I didn't want to do it. You tied me up to do it. Every gay has their own version of that next line. We're moving on to our next birthday. Okay. Which is appropriate because I was going to cover this in what day is it? Do you know what today is? Today is 32. Today is day 32 of the calendar year. Yes, correct. It's the beginning of Black History Month here in America. Yes, it is. Wow, I'm shocked you actually knew that. Why? Because <laughs> you knew something like that. Wow. That's why. Wow, I got to say, ouch, a little, bit of, <laughs> a, a little bit of ouch right there. I got to say. Yes, it is the first day of Black History Month. Was that the answer to the question? Yes, it was. Partly. I'll cover the rest later. I hope you sit on a cactus. But it just seems to be appropriate for today's birthday because this person is an... Um, a black American. He was born also February 1st, 1901, the same year as Clark Gable. He was a child of mixed race heritage. 
His paternal great-grandmothers were slaves, and his paternal great-grandfathers were slave owners. Oh. And his maternal grandmother uh, was of, well, I'm sorry, was of African-American, French, English, and Native American descent. Oh. So he was quite a mix. He was born in Joplin, Missouri. He was raised by his grandmother in Kansas. He graduated college in 1925 and moved to New York City, where Harlem became his primary residence for the rest of his life. Uh, he's primarily known as a poet. One of his first poems was published in 1921 in the newsletter the NAACP. It's not Langston Hughes. It is Langston Hughes. Very good. The poem was called The Negro Speaks of Rivers. His first poetry collection, The Ways of White Folks, was published in 1934. He was known as a communist sympathizer, but he never joined the party. He saw communism as an alternative to, to the segregation and racism of America. But after he was hauled before Joe McCarthy's Senate Committee in a televised hearing in 1953, he sort of backed away from communism and his poetry moved away from the subject of politics. And his testimony cost him the friendship of uh, actor Paul Robeson and also W.E.B. Du Bois. Such a terrible thing. Right? He, his poetry and his work was primarily promoted, dedicated to promoting black pride. He tried to gloss over the divisions and prejudices among American, among African Americans based on the different tones and skin color. Right, right, right. Where you were from. Right. He didn't like when, in, especially in the 50s and 60s, when other black writers, when black writers would criticize other, other black writers. He wanted to present this front to white people that we're all happy, we're all equal, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of fell out of favor like in the late 50s and early 60s then with the new generation. I was going to say, how'd that go for him? Yeah, he, like I can see he fell out of favor. Uh, and he died in uh, May 22nd, 1967. Oh. But among his, among his poems, which is one of my favorite... I um, was alive then. In what, 1967? In May. In May? You were... How old were you then? I was three months. Wow, three months. I was adorable. I was five years and four months old. Oh. I oh. bet you weren't adorable, though. Probably not. Probably. <laughs> but he wrote a poem, which I um, actually already posted on videos of on Facebook and Twitter. A poem he wrote in 1938 called Let America Be America Again. Oh. Great poem. Yeah. I've really heard excellent that. poem. I don't know the poem, but I've heard it. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Nice I'm gonna, and I'll, I'm going to probably put it on the website as well. So. It's just such a... It's just Langston Hughes. It, just so much there. Right? Amen. So that's it for today's birthdays. Wow, that was surprisingly painless. That's right. Like, you know, really soul-bending insult of set aside. Uh, yeah, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. So moving back to today in history and what day is it? We, As we already said, it's Black History Month. And f for the month of February, I'll be posting on uh, our Facebook feed and Twitter feed a dedication each day to a famous black person in America. Okay. Okay. I think it's a nice way to promote it, right? Do they have to be famous for anything specific? No, it can be in any fields. Be art, okay. literature, sports, politics. Right, right, right. It could be anything. Anything. That's nice. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I think so too. Right? And where is this located? This will be on our Facebook page. Our and, Facebook page. And okay. also our Twitter feed. And the Twitter feed. Yep. All right. Also, being besides Black History Month, today is, today is also National Freedom Day which marks the day that President Lincoln signed the joint resolution that eventually became the 13th Amendment. Okay. He signed it today, February 1st, 1865, 
and the amendment was ratified by 27 states by the uh, end of eight by the end of that year of 1865. Wow. Yep. Ain't that some shit? That's probably why it's February though. Then, well, that's probably why Black History Month is February. Because of that anniversary. It probably started from there or whatever. Yeah, or could start with Langston Hughes and see such a revered figure. I don't think you set a national holiday based on Langston Hughes. No. I think you do set a national holiday or a national naming of a month or a, or that sort of thing after a president. What's his name? Lincoln. This is true, too. Speculating. I'm just speculating. But with the 13th Amendment, there's always been an issue which some people have been addressing. <laughs> Even Kanye West brought it up with President Trump. The 13th Amendment says that involuntary slavery and involuntary servitude is prohibited except if you're basically in prison. It basically allows for prison labor. Okay. And so, so as a result, my, so what, what happened then, does. so the South, <laughs> when the South got a hold of that, they like, they basically... Arrestable. Wrote their laws, which yeah. they call the Black Codes, which basically criminalize black people living in the South. So this way, they'd always be in jail. They'd always have free labor then from the prisons. So, so there's always been talk of amending the 13th Amendment to remove that to, clause. To remove that. It's, you know what it proves is how far back the distrust must go for black people with law enforcement and how deeply deeply buried under all of this bureaucratic bullshit is this culture. Yeah, but people don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to acknowledge it. That's why they don't want to do critical race theory. Because, right. Because, you know, Billy can't hear about that. Billy wasn't going to hear about it in the first place. Well, yeah. Not until he went to college or law school, you know? But that's a whole other story. Also today is the Festival of Imbolc. Are you familiar with Imbolc? Um, yeah, but they just gave me a cream, and it went away. <laughs> I figured you being of Irish descent, you might be familiar with Imbolc. Well, there's a lot of Irishness I am not familiar with, uh-huh. despite my Irishness. Well, Imbolc is I a- like cable knit sweaters. <laughs> I like Irish spring soap. Ooh. That long, long, manly smell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever like they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like it, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cable and sweaters. But Imbolc is a traditional Gaelic cliffs. festival. They have cliffs in Ireland. They, yes, they do have cliffs in Ireland. I'm a big fan of cliffs. You like cliffs? I like cliffs and I like pie. Pie. Go ahead. Imbolc is a traditional Gaelic festival that celebrates the return or the beginning of spring. It comes basically about midway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox. It's celebrated by today by Wiccans and Pagans. Happy it's holidays. Called, it's known on the Christian calendar as St. Bridget's Day. St. Br- I saw somebody say something about St. Bridget. <gasps> right? And she's the matron saint of Ireland. Is she? Yes, she is. Huh? Right? So, a blessed imbolt to Is you. she up there next to Patrick? Yeah. He's a patron saint. She's the matron saint. Wow. Okay. Right? They got two. Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> that people got a chance to have two. Yeah. Does everybody have two? I don't think. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if they all do, but Ireland does. All right, good for you, Ireland. I'm sure you will. They deserve it. They've been doing that Roman Catholic thing pretty hard for a long time. Yes, they have. And still they remain uh, able to, as a civil society, do things like let gay people get married. Yep. Just saying over there in America. And standing up to the Russian Navy. Oh, my God. Is that the best thing you ever (laughs) heard? I love that story. Uh, That is fucking hilarious. If you don't know what we're talking about, the Russian Navy decided to conduct war games basically southwest of the Irish coast. 
but it was close enough that it could potentially interfere with the fishing beds environmentally and also interfering and possibly <laughs> damaging the Irish fishing trade that goes on there. So the fishermen raised a stink and said, um, if they don't pull this exercise back, we're going out there to go fish where we always go fish and damn the consequences to you. And eventually the Russians... Back down. Back down. The they Russian acquiesced. Back down. And they pulled the exercise further away the, the, from, the, the, from, the, from the fishing area. The Russian Navy backed down to a bunch of Irishmen with boats fishing. Right. Not the Irish Navy. Nope. Irish fishermen. Not the Navy and nobody. You don't fuck with Irish Just fishermen. A couple of Irish fishermen <laughs> on their boats. They couldn't have been. How many boats? Maybe. Maybe. How many boats did the Irish fishermen have? I don't know. I don't know. Well, obviously, have more than that. It's, I'm sure it's a big industry down there. Um, no, but but how many of this, of the people who were involved directly in this thing? Because this is genius. These guys were just like, fuck no. Right? They don't care. No. They no, don't care. No, no. no they, <laughs> they, 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 they swim to the British, they'll say it to the Russians. The you know? Russian army said, okay, bitches, calm down. Right? Well, they put their hands up, they backed up, they said, okay, we'll go for sure. Yeah, this will be a public relations disaster yeah, right now. You Irish people go and fish, if that's fish, yeah, yeah, you do that. But you got to give it to the Irish, oh, man. That's fucking They stand hilarious. up to the British Empire, they stand up to the Russians. It is awesome. It is fucking awesome. Uh, a couple of guys named Seamus. Right? We now move on to our next segment. Where we take a look into my briefs. <laughs> I'm never ready for it. <laughs> a look into your briefs. Yes, Oddly, I... this could be about testicles and scrotum, but I am thoroughly uninterested. Well, it's not going to be about that. It's going to be about something called the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Wow. <laughs> could you be... Wow. The Electoral Account Act? No, Electoral Count Act of Elec 1887. The Electrical Count. Electoral. Electoral. Count. Count. Act. Act. Of 1887. One vote. <laughs> Two votes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Count. Uh, yeah, all right. Could you be drier? Could you be more cardboard with fucking breadcrumbs could you why how is this interesting worthy of podcast airtime because of something our last would-be fascist president recently said on twitter or in a statement that he released oh is this a thing about it's about uh, vice he, president pence yeah, yeah he should have done it he could i'll done it. i'll read what he wrote were sent he wrote if the vice president had, quote-unquote, absolutely no right to change the presidential election results in the Senate, despite fraud and many other irregularities, how come the Democrats and rhino Republicans are desperately trying to pass legislation that will not allow the vice president to change the results of the election? <laughs> Actually, what they are saying is that Mike Pence did have the right to change the outcome, and they now want to take that right away. Unfortunately, he didn't exercise that power. He could have overturned the election. So See, he's starting to use words out in public now, like overturn. Yeah, that's so, a whole other issue, which we're going to get to later but, on in another when, segment. When you use a word like overturn, you have to assume that there was something to overturn. So you, in this case, he has to admit the loss for the overturn 
to make sense. It's overturning. You're, you're basically saying we wanted him to change the result. It had to change the result. The result. Not go search for the real truth. Not uncover all the... Go change the result. I'm just saying words is important, bitches. Well, you see, what triggered this is this mention about when he talks about the Democrats are trying to pass legislation that will not allow the vice president to change the results. That's what I'm. That's where the Electoral Count Act of 1887 comes in. Okay, kick it to me. Okay, what it is because of what happened in this past election. Okay, members of Congress want to amend the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Well, what is the act? Okay, first of all, the act came about ten years after the presidential election of 1876. Who was elected? Shorthand. That was a contested election because I think South Carolina had sent two slates of electors. Oh. And then the two the two houses couldn't agree how to resolve the issue. And basically a backroom deal was made in which the electors then said Rutherford Ruther, Ruther Hayes will elect will allow you elect Rutherford Hayes as president, the Republican candidate. All right. But then the federal government has to withdraw its troops from the South. That were there as part of Reconstruction. Oh, dear. That was a deal that was made. And did that that happen? And that happened. Okay. That happened. So afterwards, they basically said that, you know, that they went back to what the 12th Amendment said. And the 12th Amendment basically says that it, it, it allows the vice president to open the electoral certificates. But the act clarifies the vice president's limited role in the account. That all he can really do is open them. And count them. So it's like the guy presenting best actress. Right. They give him an envelope, he breaks the seal and opens it and reads what's inside. That's what the vice president has to do on the to certify the elections. It's all been done beforehand. Right. All right, go ahead. But, see, the problem is what the, what the act also does, it really puts most of the onus of responsibility for these electors on the states. Yes. And what it does, it sets out procedures and deadlines for the states to follow in resolving disputes, certifying the results, and sending those results to Congress. If the state follows what they call safe harbor standards, and the state's governor properly submits one set of electoral votes, that the act states that that is the final determination which shall govern. So it's basically saying that even if the vice president wanted to throw out the uh, slate of electors, he couldn't because the state governor had already certified those, those electors. electors. Right. They okay. were already certified. So again, he's he's everything is done beforehand for him. All he's got to do is open it and announce what's inside. Well, That's his job. That's the height of ceremonial. Well, the thing is, Trump and his supporters are arguing that, that the vice president had the power to disavow the electors that came from seven states that were in dispute that sent alternate electors. So, uh, But the, the thing is, those alternate electors were never certified by anybody. Exactly. Well, that's that whole, that's that whole scandal from last week, week before last, about how they sent, uh, they forged the documents to send... Well, that's a whole other issue about the electors, whether they should be prosecuted for crimes for coming, for posing as taking part in this scheme, scheme. to be an elector. They signed their names to mm-hmm. signatures. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other issue, which I wasn't going to even address, because there was so much that happened else that happened this week. But i got to tell you, my mind is numbing from this. I know. So basically what it is, the Republicans and Democrats have been talking about reforming this 
Electoral Count Act to make it more clear specifically what the vice president can and can't do. But the Democrats are saying, we ain't going to amend any act until we pass that as part of all the other election reforms that we want exactly. to do. You want us, now, that the, now that the Democrats know that the Republicans want to do something, they're going to hold that by the short and curlies until they can pass something they want to do. Thusly is politics in America, and it has always been like that. Right. So, but like I said, you're, in the coming weeks, you may hear about this Electoral Count Act because... At one point, I think even Louis Gomer brought a law, him and some, uh, some Republicans in Arizona brought a lawsuit to have the declaration that the Electoral Count Act was unconstitutional and that the vice president had full freedom to certify the other electors. And he basically his case was thrown out of court, district court, appeals court, yeah, Supreme yeah, yeah. Court. It's a, it's, it's a ridiculous. You know what the problem is? And this is the one that counts, not all the other hundreds of thousands of, you know what the problem is that you've heard over the past lifetime? This is the one that really matters right here. You know what the problem is? When they constructed the documents and the government, they assumed that everybody was going to follow the rules and be a good boy. And nobody did that they were going to act as grown-ups in the best interest of the state. And there were no political parties back then. Either, well, they didn't want political parties. They didn't, that, those didn't happen until after Washington. Yeah, don't we thank Thomas Jefferson After Washington's presidency. Then you had the two factions, the Federalists and what they well, called I mean, the, and it, then it they, the Democratic long. Republicans, I think. I think, but even, well, at that point they had, because it was so fresh that they were into political parties, they had the sense of being from one place. Right. That they had just split up for reasons. But they were coming from the same place. Now we're not coming from the same place. Not anymore. No, it's it's too divided. It's too far. It's too far divided, and the uh, yeah, we're fucked. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what else to say to that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, but it's so true though because uh, first of all, the electoral college is completely arcane and ridiculous. Yes. Though. And I understand what it was for, and now, clearly... It was designed was to, protect to protect the smaller southern states that had the lesser populations and at that time. clearly they don't need to protect it no more. So, let's lift that, because they don't need the protecting. That requires constitutional amendment. Yeah, which requires 60% of the and House. When was the last constitutional states? amendment you being uh, passed? Uh, for me, in my life, In your lifetime. But there would have been no constitutional yeah. amendments. The last one that was up for uh, was that was up for a widespread vote the was the ERA, ERA, and that went down in flames eventually. Which is a which is a national disgrace. Well, yeah, please. But that concludes our look into my briefs. You're welcome. <laughs> we now move on to the week in fascism. Fascism. Oh, we've got lots of stuff today. We've got censorship. Oh, oh, we've the got book, that we, book. we've got voter intimidation, and we've got your plain ordinary variety fascism. Garden variety. All right, let's start with the censorship first. We have two stories of that. This is about mouse. Oh well, that's one of them. I'm going to the give you the first one, other one. But the first story takes place in, in Mississippi. In Mississippi, the mayor Gene McGee of Ridgeland, Mississippi. All right has withheld more than $110,000 in funding to the Madison County Library System, refusing to pay up until they purge all LGBTQ-related books. According to the head of the library system, the mayor's opposition to what he called homosexual materials was against his Christian beliefs 
and he would not release the money as long as the materials were there. The mayor said in a statement, I have had many complaints from citizens about the display of certain books at the library. In my capacity as mayor, I simply believe the books are inappropriate for children. There is a minimum sexual, there is a minimum sexual connotations are not appropriate for children when they enter the library. The library, of course, they, the system, they issued a statement saying, the library board and staff gladly serve all the people of Madison County with a wealth of cultures, religious beliefs, and views. The library's collection is for people of all ages, races, gender identities, and expressions and orientations. Our books are not only a mirror to reflect our community, but a window into different worlds and different experiences that enable us to learn. Our materials are available for all. Censorship has no place here in Madison County Library System. Our library is for everyone. Don't fuck with the librarian. Right? And if you do fuck with the librarian, don't fuck with the punctuation. <laughs> but of course, this is occurring as Florida lawmakers right now are considering a parental rights and education bill known as the Don't Say Gay Bill. Because this would allow parents to sue schools and teachers who engage in classroom discussions on sexual orientation and gender identity. I have no time. Yeah, so they just want to wipe us out of existence in their, in their school I curriculum. No it's just... I have nothing to say. I, 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 was, I looked up to see, I wanted to get an update on what happened, so I looked up today. All it's going to happen, they're having another, I guess, board meeting or whatever, I guess, to address this, but it hasn't happened yet. Then the next story takes place in Tennessee at the McKinn County School Board, which unanimously voted to remove the graphic novel Mouse from its 8th grade school curriculum. Uh, this happened, of course, on Monday, which was the previous Monday, which was International Holocaust Remembrance mm. Day. It's like, oh, your timing was impeccable. For those of you who don't know what Mouse is, it's a Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel that tells the story of the author's relationship with his father, who was a Holocaust survivor, and it depicted Jews as mice and Nazis as cats. The school board reportedly objected to eight curse words and nude imagery of a woman which was used in the depiction of the author's mother's suicide. Do you know what the curse words were that were banned? These eight curse words? Damn. No, no, no. Bitch, Bitch. and goddamn. Oh. Th those are the eight curse words. And also this nude mother's... Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that she's a mouse, like all the other characters. Yeah, she's an animated character, A. An animated mouse, B. But... Um, uh, call I fucking Donald Duck ain't wear points ever. Mother Jones went to go look up the board meeting minutes to see what actually happened at this meeting and how this was discussed. All right. We should really fear who's in charge of some of these school boards. This one man, uh, you know the song, I'm Just Wild About Harry? Uh, yes. It dates from like the 1920s and 30s right. or whatever. Well, he cited it as a poem that his third grader was learning and he questioned the use of the word ecstasy in the song because it now has drug connotations. And people are like, are you kidding? That's a song. Wait till he hears Cole Porter. It was used by Harry Truman during yeah. a presidential campaign. It's like, what is wrong with you people? Because people are uneducated. And they're the ones now who are in charge of these school boards. Um, who, who was it that said, I love the uneducated? I don't know who said that. Donald Trump. <laughs> Probably. I love no. You could Google Web it and get a video of him saying, 
I love the uneducated. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm, sh- I'm sure he said it. I believe you. He said it. But yeah, so uh, since all this became news, sales of the mouse books, because there are several of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, probably went up. They're now, they've now skyrocketed. It was really? like on number one on Amazon. Really? Yeah. I've never read it. I have not read the whole thing. I have gone through it. I, I like through it. It's very good, though. It's really, it's, it's incredible. It's a great book. It's a great way to introduce middle school age students to this. Right. To this well, whole but, topic, but, but you know? they don't want them introduced. They I know. They want them immersed. They I know. They want them to understand. They want to act like it didn't happen. And then what they do is they create an adult who, at 25, 26 years old, goes out into the world and meets somebody and says something and gets punched in the face and knocked to the ground because he didn't realize that he shouldn't be saying those things to these people because of history that nobody wanted to teach him. Yep. I know. It's very sad. And of course, this is Tennessee. This is where the fucking monks, the Scopes Monkey Trial took place over the fucking teaching of evolution. And now we have this shit going on. Well, it's later the same day in Tennessee. I know, right? It's, yeah, it doesn't, it's, it doesn't reflect well in Tennessee. That's Do we have sure. any downloads in Tennessee? Probably not. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I can, know there was a there was a bunch of states that were expected. That I could look downloads. real fast for you if you I like. think um, New Hampshire was surprised at. New Hampshire? Why were you surprised by New Hampshire? Because I don't think anybody downloaded us in New Hampshire. Yeah, let's look at old-time listeners and look at the states. Yeah, you want to see the... Yeah, uh, yeah Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee, they, nobody listens. Three downloads. Three downloads Three Tennessee? downloads, yeah. Oh, girl, good luck to you over there in Tennessee. Ooh. Best of luck. <laughs> Woof. So, uh, yeah, that's the story of censorship going on in America. We now move on to voter intimidation. Stephen King tweeted about the book burning? No. He encouraged everybody to go out and read all the books. All the teenagers. If they're trying to burn a book, go out and read it. Go out and find it and read it. Obviously, that's what they're doing with Mouse. You know? That's what they're doing with Mouse now, and good for them. We now move on to voter intimidation in Michigan. This is insane. A Michigan gubernatorial candidate and Senate candidate, of course, both Republicans, are facing criticism for what they told potential poll workers about about their voting machines. Ryan Kelly, candidate for governor, appeared alongside Mike Detmer, candidate for the state Senate in Livingston County. They appeared over the weekend. And uh, Kelly said, because I guess they were talking about the voting machine and voting security or whatever and electoral security. And Kelly volunteered, if you see something you don't like happening with the machines and you see something going on, unplug it from the wall. Of course, that's tampering with a voting yeah, booth yeah. and that's an, a federal crime. But then Detmer went up them on that. And what did he say? He said, the ideal thing is to do this peaceful. That's ideal. But the American people at some point in time, if we can't change the tide, need to be, need to be prepared to lock and load. So if you ask what we can do, show up armed. Yes, as we need guns at our polling places. Somebody might see something suspicious. You ever seen anything suspicious at a polling place? No, not that I can remember. It's about as boring and mundane as it can be. Yeah, exactly. But they're going to come in there and they're going to administer justice at the end of a gun. So they don't like what's going on in that voting area. You know, Mm. it's unreal. You know what? In general... I would feel much better if Merrick Garland did something. Like, I want him to do something so extreme, so dramatic, so uh, unequivocal. And maybe I'm asking too much. But, um, uh, man. Well, what you're asking for is him to arrest the president. No. Because that's the only thing that's left. You've already gone. Cabinet members have been arrested. 
Vice presidents have been convicted. A president has never been criminally convicted of a crime. I'm not talking historically I want him to be here. Well, what do you want him to do? I, 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 what is the... Steve... He has been sitting on a recommendation from the committee for an indictment mm -hmm. against Steve... Steve... Don't be impatient with me waving your hand like, come on, get it out, spit it out. Uh, this is why we need somebody online. Well, yeah, but we don't have that. Cause I don't know. But Steve's not going to help. It's like, I'm, yeah. oh, yes, I'm going to Google Steve. That will clear things up. Okay, so let's move on to the next topic, which is washing your car with urine. Go ahead. What's the next topic? Go ahead. I'm done. Are you done? I'm done. I'm done. Zippity doodah. Well, last Sunday, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, I believe, Trump had a rally. And he was talking about the various criminal investigations are going on in, like, Georgia and in New York. So at the rally, he says, if these radical, vicious, racist prosecutors do anything wrong or illegal, I hope we're going to have in this country the biggest protests we have ever had in Washington, D.C., in New York, in Atlanta, and elsewhere, because our country and our elections are corrupt. It really is prosecutorial misconduct at the highest level. These prosecutors are vicious, horrible people. They're racist, and they're very sick. They're mentally sick. They're going after me without any protection of my rights by the Supreme Court or most other courts. In reality, they're not after me. They're after you. And I just happen to be the person that's in the way. That's what they're after. It's been going on for years. Now, of course, when he calls these prosecutors racist, all three of the prosecutors are involved. The Georgia County one, the one in Georgia. All black. Yep. The New York Attorney General and the, the New York DA... Whatever. They're all black. Yep. So yeah, he's already trying to ferment to ferment violence. Well it's if they if they do anything against me, if they indict me, if they question me, if they subpoena me, we have to rally, or you have to rally, and these are the places to do it in. Yeah. Well it's alright because the uh, district attorney in Fulton County in Georgia has already asked the FBI field office to immediately conduct a risk assessment uh, assessment of the county courthouse and government center and that you provide protective resources to include intelligence and federal agents. That's how seriously they're taking what he said. That's what your preemptive is right there. Yep. But then Trump went even further. He goes on to say, If I run and I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. Oh, yeah, he wants to give them pardons. And if he requires pardons, we will give them pardons, because they are being treated so unfairly. That right there... Is obstruction of justice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's basically telling all these people that are currently being prosecuted. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Once, once I'm in, in you're going to be free. Don't cooperate with their investigations. Don't plea bargain down so you get a lighter sentence and you're going to turn, you know, tail and, you know, turn other people in. That's what he's basically telling these people. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. He's disgusting. But he's got a third of the country who think he's... Appointed by God. I, I, that's what I don't and understand. You can't argue that. You can't argue that. Right now, no, you can't. There's no argument with people who no longer listen to reason. So what we do is we listen to each other, bitch back and forth. And how do we? But the thing is, Tommy, there are people out there who have no idea about any of this shit. Or if they do know, they don't give it that much thought. And the thing is, you know, I hate to bring it up, but there was a certain guy who staged a. Uh, who tried to stage an overthrow in 1923, 
and then he went to jail for it, and then Tom, ten years later Tom, he became you know better you chancellor know better. of the country. I'm not going to say his name, but you know who I'm talking about, and that's what I'm afraid of this happening here. That he's going to rise from the ashes of what happened on January 6th and take back power. He could die. You know, people die. I mean, you know, he's a 71-year-old man who eats Big Macs. Oh, he's like, no, he's 78. Who eats Big Macs? Yeah, I know. Ain't seen the salad. It's not just him, though, because... No, it's not just him. Because it's he's, a third he, of the country. he's already lit this party on fire. This party, is this party, this Republican Party, has already turned... It's already molded in his image. So, so even if he doesn't run, even if he's gone, even if he's dead, it doesn't matter. Right, the ideology. They're still, still there. So, They're still there. So so what happens? Do the Republicans, do the moderate Republicans in 10 years or after he's dead and after this whole hullabaloo has stopped hullabalooing and it's okay for the moderate Republicans to stick their head out from underneath the rubble again. By that time, there won't be any moderate Republicans left. But do... do the people are still there. That ideology is still there. Do they become a separate party? Is it now three a three party thing with the Trumpism? Don't know. What would you call the Trump political party? Like legit? No, he will call the MAGA party. All right. I can see him doing that. You know. No. Um, I wish you would. That's what we can call them maggots. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that. Call them maggots. That's what they are. It's so weird because I'm very conscious of the fact that they think the very same thing of us. Well, of course, if you read, I read what they're saying about Democrats and liberals and this and that, but none of it's based in reality. But I don't know that. That's what I don't understand. None of what they're saying is based in reality. Give me, for example, like, could you prove the reality of what they're saying could you prove the reality that, that that deflects what they're saying? Like, do you have the evidence to come up and say what you're saying is wrong? No, because I don't have those kind of resources. But other people and organizations do, but that doesn't seem to matter because these things have been demonstrated to be false, and it doesn't matter. Well, you what do they call that? What is that? A cognitive, cognitive dis- dissonance yeah, is what it's yeah, called. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what this is, is cognitive dissonance. It's so strange to me. It's a choice. Yeah, it is that a choice. That's a choice. It is a choice. Suck a dick ain't a choice. <laughs> well, sometimes it is. Depends on the dick. It depends on the dick. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, that's not a choice. That's a choice. Choosing to ignore, uh, you know, knowledge and evidence is a choice. You choose to do that. You choose that. Yep. But unfortunately, you also get to vote. Yep. Fortunately, you mean. No, unfortunately. Why is that unfortunate? Because who wants those people voting? Everybody wants only the people who agree with them to be able to vote. I think everyone should vote, but... Oh, I do too as a principle. But I hope only Democrats do. Yeah, but that's a whole other story. We now move on to our next segment. Sheila has a question. Sheila's questions. Yes, and... This is now, what, week three? This is... Yeah, I think this is the, yeah, the third week of Sheila week, has a question. Sheila has a question. And what is it? Today's question is... If you could have the ear of the American people of color, what advice would you give us to combat this voter suppression war that's being waged against us? Vote. It don't matter what it take. It don't matter. Vote. Vote. Well, well I was going to first say, Sheila, thank you for presuming that in some world, black people would listen to Tommy and me, two, white, two old white guys, about what they should do. That ain't wrong. <laughs> right? It's more than just vote. It's also about 
There are 19 states now that have instituted laws basically to suppress the vote, primarily aimed at populations of people of color. Uh, exactly. So it's about more than just voting. They have to get educated in their own states, in their own counties, wherever they vote, about what those voting requirements are and to fulfill them, to match them. So there's no question when they go to vote that anyone is going to say, no, you can't vote. You don't have this proper ID. Right, right, right. right. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. If they vote, only one vote poll, poll station per county in some places. Only one uh, in a city for my... These people have to work, and they have to go to work that day, and they have to get to there in time. And if they can get themselves to vote, the point is to prove that we're going to vote anyway. Yes. Regardless of what you do to, to prevent us, we're going to vote. Then when they vote, they can put the people in who are going to say, you know what? This county needs six polling places. That's how it happens. Well, of course, we know all that. That's what they're doing now. I mean, they 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 cut down the number of polling places. Yes. So this way, people are standing on longer lines to go vote. They shorten the hours. Yep. They uh, who vote on a Tuesday? Really? And yes, it should be a national holiday. Everybody should have off. And yes, the vote should be mailed to you. But until you're in a position to make those things happen, you have to vote for the people who will. Well, that's the thing, is voting for the people you know who will change these laws in the first place. Or go that's out what you need to do. Go out and run. Well, that's another thing, is getting involved from the very beginning. Getting involved at the bottom level, getting involved in your school boards. School boards. Your town boards, working your way up. Yeah. People of color need to get more involved in their politics. Both now I'm not just talking national level, but on a local level. It's not just for people of color. That's for Everybody. everybody. Everybody, all politics is local. Tip O'Neill said that. If you don't know who Tip O'Neill is, go Google it. But he said that. And it's true. All politics is local. This is where it starts, is at the local level. I, that's something the Republicans learned decades ago. And that's why they're able to get away with what they're getting away with. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, and I think that the, the, the people who Sheila is referring to are actually physically in a battle. Yeah. And they need to not not fight back. They need to do what they can, which is doing whatever they can to get to the polling place in the amount of time and to 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 malicious compliance. And then when and then when you have the chance, you get in there and you have somebody say, "Now you're going to vote for somebody who's now they see what kind of voting block you are and what kind of power you might could have, and then they're going to say, uh, "What do you want?" Right. But really, I think that's I mean, how it works. But it's really it's about educating yourself. Exercising your right to vote and getting involved in politics, whether it be just involved in an organization or running for office. But, vote that's, that oh, but those are the ways you're going to. A friend of mine once suggested, and he's, he's a radical from a long time back, that instead of people joining the Democratic Party, they should go to join the Republican Party and take over the local those parties at the local level and then work your way up, which Surprise. is not a bad idea. Can you imagine? No. You imagine have a whole like. 20 or 30 people should open their local town Republican Party saying, hi, we just joined the party. <laughs> you know? And what are they going to do? Well, yeah, they need the dues. But that's the but the best advice I can give you. I know it may not be the best advice out there, but I know everyone feels powerless against these kind of actions. And the thing is, we're not powerless. We yeah. really aren't. The, 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 the levers are there for us to use. We just need to know where to find them and how to use them. Yeah. <laughs> right? We need to get people who are going to make it easier 
for us to do. Yeah. It should be basic. It should be like, you know, you could vote remotely from a CVS fucking cashier. I got to sign myself out. And then why can't I just vote at CVS? And then the system knows that I voted. They know that the person who uses that card, it's not foolproof, but... Uh, it should be that easy. It should be it that should be. similarly easy. But no, we go. This country is now going out of its way to make it harder make for, it harder for certain groups of people to vote. And this is the same this, to me. What I'm seeing to bring it all back around again from the beginning of the podcast is that whole thing about inbreeding, inbreeding the. This is the prison labor. Mm-hmm. So it's oh, the Thirteenth Amendment. Yeah, this is this is this is the whole thing going back. This is another way they're doing this. Yeah, is they're making it impossible. So so all right, we're going to put them in prison, and then we're going to make it impossible for them when they're uh, or for the people waiting to vote. One voting place per county in these rural counties. Can you imagine? Not even the rural county. We're talking about urban counties too. Yeah, no, that's true. There was something. One of the Texas was Houston. And that's not even talking about the fact you can't. I some states now have like you can't give water to people online to vote. Yeah, yeah. I it's mean, like you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And you got to fight against that. All of that you have to I fight would, against that. You that's have, something I would be willing to violate and get arrested for. No, to give someone a bottle of water. Yes, but just vote anyway. Put up with that bullshit. Because I know. Because go vote anyway. They don't let the suckers, don't let the bastards drag you down. They you know? followed the rules to make the law. You got to follow the rules to change it. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the way the game's played. Yeah. Thank you, Sheila. Yes. Thank you for the question, Sheila. And always thought provoking. Yes. Always stimulating conversation starting question. <laughs> always. Always. <laughs> Every time. Four times. We now move on to much lighter topics. We go on to We Like to Watch. Oh, I watched something. You did? What did you watch? It was a, uh, it was about killers. Ooh, what a surprise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was another it was another take on serial killers. I told I told you about the one the one with the the, the <laughs> The ordinary, regular, normal people are in jail for killing, and they yes. tell the story. All right, that that was really good. Another serial killer podcast that I binged. Uh, not podcast, Netflix thing. Though. Netflix, man, they got me pinned, man. They got me pinned. You know, they, it's all right there. Uh, RuPaul's running again? We got, we got, okay, we got RuPaul's running. Where's going? We got new poll. New RuPaul? <coughs> new poll? Yeah, you know I love me some RuPaul's Drag Race, and you know it's it's some of it is getting so tired and so <coughs> predictable, and so here's the thing, mainstream, that uh, it gets tedious. But I recognize <coughs> it's losing its flavor. Well, because it's becoming so it's it's mainstream entertainment it's mainstream. now. It's, it's no longer on the fringe, and it's such an accomplishment. It's such That's an amazing she should accomplishment. Be proud of, yeah, for it's, for any. Person in that industry to have done what what she did, you know, for a black drag queen. Yeah, I'm sorry for a six foot four black drag queen. Sorry, amazing. It's it's a stunning achievement. Yeah, stunning. Uh, I'm in awe. And so I watch. And so I watch. And so I watch. And I enjoy every time I watch. Well, I, I enjoy those. Oh, those bitches are so funny. They're you know, a bunch of gay men. It's hysterical to me. I think it's very funny. Yeah. So so RuPaul's Drag Race. The thing about the killers. There was something else that I want to say was set in Europe. Okay. But I can't be sure. So I don't want to waste any podcast time. Okay. So, yeah. 
What'd you watch? Uh, the show called Station Eleven. We just finished watching. I heard about that, and that was really good. I really enjoyed that. Is I that the, the thing that's set in like the South Pole? No, it's set during. It's twenty years after a flu pandemic has basically wiped out ninety percent of the Earth's population, and this takes place in the Chicago Great Lakes area. Uh, about this, and it's it centers on this traveling troupe of Shakespearean performers that call themselves a traveling symphony, and it's really it doesn't it's not as bleak as it might sound. It's really actually really because yeah. that sounds pretty bleak. No, it's really not. It's really actually very entertaining. Actually, very hopeful towards the future despite the setting and everything. It, I actually enjoyed it in some ways more so than the book that it was based on. Okay, so I I highly recommend that. But then we watched on Netflix this crazy little series called The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. In the window. This has been in my radar for the past day or two as well. We It starred Kristen Bell. And we just we watched the promo before. We're like, all right, let's check it out. And we stuck with it. It's like eight 30-minute episodes. It's all about this woman played by Kristen Bell who's an alcoholic, <coughs> pill popper due to the death of her daughter. And one night she witnesses this young lady across the street getting killed. Rear window. And no one believes her. Okay. So it's not rear window. No one believes her. All right. And so she sets about in her own crazy way to, to try prove to prove that, she, that it was real, that what she saw. And it was, I really enjoyed it. I love Kristen Bell. She's great. I, I don't know who she is. Uh, you remember that series that she would... She was on a series with Ted Danson, where they're in the afterlife. No, I don't do afterlife. Okay. And she was on Veronica Mars. I don't do planetary. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> was it just drag queens you watch? That's Veronica it. Mars. No, I watch serial killers. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Drag queens and serial and drag killers. Drag queens and serial killers. That's it. That's it. That's the title of my memo. <laughs> okay. Drag queens and, drag queens and, <laughs> and serial, serial killers. killers. <laughs> oh my god and a little musical theater but anyway it's entertaining it's been getting ripped to shred by critics what am I reading about it they're ripping it versus saying well is it a satire is it a parody is it this it's not funny enough it's not this and I'm like it's a light piece of fluff yeah, it is a parody of those kind of murder genre movies, you know. I mean, the way the do- I don't want to give away anything, but the way the daughter, di- the way this Kristen Bell's daughter dies in the series is totally ludicrous. Okay, couple of ludicrous things happen, and you realize, all right, this is very tongue in cheek. Take it all with a grain of salt. Just right. sit back, relax, right. and enjoy it. You know, don't give a lot of great cerebral thought. It seems enjoy to me this. that any review that begins with "Is it." Like, is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it a musical? Is it a... You shouldn't be reviewing it. Tell me what it is. Just watch it, you just, know? Just, just tell, watch tell, it. Tell me what you... Because we were watching, because part of the thing is with her is, you don't know if she's actually hallucinating from the bills and poos that, uh, the booze and pills that she's taking. Oh, so it's next So to you're normal. watching some of these things, it's like, well, is that real? Right, right, right. And then later on, you're like, you know what? it is real. Truth, <laughs> truth tell. It's, it sounds that there, there are elements of next to normal. In that way, she's hallucinating it with the death of a child, and it's it's in the genre I'd say of only murders in the building. That series with Steve Martin and Martin Short. That's a new series. It's hardly a new a series. Genre. Also, I'd say it well in that Silliness. in that wheelhouse. Okay. okay, it's in that wheelhouse. I understand you, and I find it entertaining. I hope other people do too. Stephen and I both liked it a lot. 
And I said, I love Kristen Bell. And also Tom Riley's in it. He was in, ooh, years ago in a series called Da Vinci's Demons, where he played Leonardo Da Vinci. You just made a face I really didn't like. Yo, really? On that ooh thing? Ooh. Yeah, I didn't like that. That's creepy. Ooh. Yeah, no, I don't like it. But Tom, <laughs> Tom Riley was ooh. Okay. And I shirt off. And, ah. Let's go. Let's move on. Can we move on? We're now moving on to our nut segment. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> our next segment is celebrities saying, saying stupid, stupid things. things. See, now, don't, don't tell me that we couldn't use a folly table here with me hitting a gong <laughs> or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would be fun. You talked to our producer about getting a foley table. You have to say that once an episode. What? You talk to the producer. Well, yeah. Maybe yeah. one day he'll hear it and listen and do something about it. But yeah. don't hold your breath. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. But anyway. A Foley table would be fun, though. That's all I'm saying. Yes, it would. So what are we talking In about? In this week's edition of Celebrity Saying Stupid Things. Who's a celebrity? Well, as long as going to put up Whoopi Goldberg. But then she apologized oh. for the stupid thing that she well, said. She's, a, she's, now impo- she's now apologizing to an embarrassing extent. But still. What do you think about that? What do, what do you think it shows uh, that she said it in the first place? It, is, it displayed a level of ignorance because the Holocaust was about race. The Nazis treated everyone else who wasn't a German as an inferior race, and specifically the Jews. Uh, now, let me ask you this. To what extent, if any, mm-hmm. does Whoopi's remark reflect a common thought amongst African-Americans. That thought had crossed my mind also. Don't wag your finger at me. (laughs) But yes, that thought had crossed my mind also. Is she seeing this from the context as an African-American woman, you know, descendant of, you know, from slavery, of race, that whole history. But that was about race too. But are the Jews a race? Technically, no. You know, Judaism is a religion. And it's always, it's... I well, let me around the world, I'm you know. De- I'm playing devil's advocate here because I, I I I don't. She said something stupid. Yes, she didn't mean malice. No, but I said I think but I think coming from her background, she sees she should know better. She should know better. Uh, so certainly, certainly, she should know better than to say something like that in public. She has a me. She she's a media person. Yes, she should know how to you know. Okay. I mean, she apologized. She said, you know, oh, God. I said it wasn't about race. I said it was about man and humanity, man, man's inhumanity to man. She's like, I was wrong. I should have said it was both. And yes, she was wrong. She should have said it was right. both. Right. But you can, this. But yeah, I mean, Nazism was specifically about racism, you know? Okay. I agree. I agree that it was definitely targeting a specific set of people. I, I hesitated calling Jews a race. Because are the Hindus a race? Are the Catholics a race? Are the yeah, are they all different races? Because is is Jews a race or a religion? Is it both? If it's both, I I have a few more questions. So so is where I would say no, it's not. But I said re- uh, it's not a race. There may be some Jews who say yes, we are a race now. But I don't know. I'm not Jewish. I am not. What I, I, educated I, enough in those topics to give you a, a, a clear, definitive answer. But yes, I would say, no, being Jewish is not a race. It's a religion. And by no But there is a sol- certain cultural history behind that religion. Of course, and that's what the target is. And that's a shared cultural history now, right, you know? Right, but that's and that's what the target is. Yes. That's what the, uh, against this racism. Now, you can call the Jews a race for the sake of conveniently talk, referring to them as a group. Right. 
I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know. I don't we're know not, we're, to Tommy, this. we don't have to have the answers to that. We, we don't know. But yes, it's, you know, Jews, technically speaking, are not a race, but the Nazis considered them a race. A race. To justify their policies. Right, right, right. And you don't want to take that away from what that was. Well, how horrible was. how horrible being considered an inferior race was, even yes. if the word race is ill-advised. Of course. Go ahead. And I, that's, I, I, that's, I, I, I worked with someone who was a prisoner of war in a German prisoner of war camp. Okay. He was a white man. There were black members in his unit. They were literally treated like dogs. Literally treated like dogs. The blacks. The black members, yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, don't you, you can't say it was just about man's inhumanity. This was a, World War II was primarily a race war. You know, it really was motivated by the Germans' racial policies, the Japanese racist policies over in uh, Asia. Wait, there's no way we're going to settle this. But I'm putting a, a yellow flag up on the World War II was a race war. Why it was? Uh, clearly, you think so. Yeah. Okay. Put your glasses back up on the top. You know where they belong, and stop looking at me like a school mom. <laughs> Okay, I I I need to have more convincing evidence of that. Well, I'm not going to get into that now because we'll be that's here what all I'm saying. That's, it'll be it'll take forever. We'll put we'll, that's another podcast. But we're going to move on to the other celebrity who said something really stupid. I love this, Sean Penn. Hold on, I have no idea. Oh, you have no idea about no, this no. one. Sean Penn hasn't been in the news since 1982. Well, actually, he's in this new movie now, I think, called Licorice Pizza. And he's yes. also having a mo- movie he, came, he directed come out called Flag Day that oh. his 30-year-old daughter is in. Oh, Jesus. So he Sean and his daughter... Penn has a 30-year-old daughter? Yep, he's, like, he's 61 years old. How am I not dead? <laughs> what, how am I not... Patrick, for real. Yeah, anyway, he had an interview with The Independent, which is a Jeez, British publication. Man. This is what this is an excerpt from the interview. It says, when it comes to how he views masculinity, he is old school. He recently told one newspaper, I am in the club that believes that men in American culture have become wildly feminized. I don't think that to be fair to women, we should become them. He later went on to say, I think that men have, in my view, become quite feminized. I have these very strong women in my life who do not take masculinity as a sign of oppression towards them. There are a lot of, I think, cowardly genes, G-E-N-E-S, that lead to people surrendering their genes, J-E-A-N-S, and putting on a skirt. Oh, sure. The the article goes on to say, It's an answer that suggests he'll prefer masculine and feminine traits to remain as such, and one that leaves Dylan, his daughter, quiet, staring into space. So, yeah, you know what she thought of Daddy's stupid-ass answer. Yeah, well, she's of the generation that would think that I can't wait to take charge. Uh, that'll put set things right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sean Penn, stop it. Stop. Shush, Sean Penn. Well, you this know is what? The guy who he's a good in, actor. I know, but he now he just, every time he opens his mouth, he gets he himself... Says, yeah, I During don't, the whole me, the height of the Me Too movement... He got himself in trouble with them. I don't follow. You know? him. I don't. I don't give any weight to what he says. So I, you know, I'm not looking for his opinion on things. But this, but what I think what's pissing people off about is like you played fucking Harvey Milk, right? And now you're gonna turn around and say shit like this, which could connect us to another topic, which was how closely do you associate a person's personal life with their artwork? I try not to. <laughs> so, so you don't necessarily see, but you would think disconnect. that, but you would think that portraying a certain role, you're going to have a certain amount of empathy with the character that you're portraying. Uh, well, 
let's let's consider this for a second. Not sympathy, empathy. He's an actor, actor. Okay, so he's going for this shit. He's going for the empathy thing. Yes. Now, is he an actor, actor that that when he goes home at night does he turn it off? In other words, is he just playing that part because he's a professional actor playing a part? And then empathy goes out the door when the part when I, when I cash the paycheck when it's over when I'm done. I don't need. Uh, has anybody has any actors? minds been changed by portraying a character? And of course the answer is yes. Of course. Uh, but this is, seems to me to be too basic. If he's that far in, then I don't think playing Harvey Milk is is going to necessarily change him. I know, but you would think it would give him a better perception of the effect of what he's saying. You know? Uh, and the thing is, like, you're 61 years old. Why are you so threatened by seeing a guy in a skirt. Does Harry Styles really threaten your masculinity so much? I love that. There was this thing that I that I came across last night on your TikTok there. Okay. okay? And it was a comedian. And he was in some way British. Okay. okay. Uh, or United Kingdom. Okay. It's the same thing. Yes. Oh, British, right? Okay. And he was he was going off on this thing about about being gay. Okay. And he, when he, he turned it around to gay men are fucking men. They're not fucking something nice and soft and smelly. And they're fucking men. And, and and he turned it around to straight is the new gay. And it was so brilliant and so funny. And I'll try to remember to send it to you if I can find it. Um, and I'll try even harder right now to relate it to whatever set me off on that tangent. It wasn't Jimmy Carr, was it? He's a British comedian. Oh, I don't think it was. Okay. Okay. Do you watch British comedians? Yeah, uh, Jimmy Carr's one of them. I just watched his new <laughs> special. Who's who's the heavy woman? I don't know. Oh God, I can't. Milliken. Sarah. Sarah right, Milliken. Right. Back to topic. Okay. Back to topic. Back to topic. God forbid. Back, back to Sarah Milliken. Look her up. Uh, where? What's the topic? Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Stop it, Sean Penn. Stop. Just stop. I mean, I just, I yeah, I just shake my head. It's like you should know better. You should fucking know better by now. He's uh, luckily his daughter does. Poof, you have. Yes, to obviously here. his daughter has a disagreement, but chose to behave herself and be classy. Her and daughter not, is and how not old? contradict thirty. Okay, so she's an adult and she knows what she's doing. And yeah, but she was probably like, "Dad, what the fuck is wrong with well, you?" You know what? How many people sat at the Trump news conferences at the height of the pandemic? You can see them. Fauci, the woman with the scarf, sitting there, looking down, looking at their feet, looking around, looking at the clock, looking to see if anybody, just trying to avoid eye contact with anybody who might hold them accountable to the honesty of what this guy was saying. The night that he turned around to that woman in the scarf and said something about cleaning it up with Clorox. It was that press conference. Okay. I see you're talking about Trump. Trump. Okay. The woman in the scarf. I the medical woman in I, the scarf. I, okay. I don't really All right, I can't help you any more than I am, so go ahead and move on. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment, Five Faves. And in honor of Black History Month, today's topic is our five favorite black persons in history. Is that not in itself racist? No. Okay. Or are there black people that you admire or idolize? I, I have a list of five of them ready. Me, so do I. But it seems like... All right. I'm not laying claim to them like I'm, they're being auctioned off, for God's sake. I'm saying... Wow. Cite, I'm saying cite five people who, of 
black African Americans that you admire or idolize. Or Jim McDonald. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Gee, I already predicted you were going to say <laughs> five female black singers. Well, then, won't you be surprised? No, I won't. How predictable of Audrey you. Audrey McDonald. My God. Audrey McDonald. Gee, I'm sorry. Audrey McDonald, I'm shocked. He's only your favorite singer, period. You sound like you're, you're minimizing Audrey's contributions. Or the Not at all. I'm just minimizing your citation of her. I, I, <laughs> I, I think she is a... Strong, beautiful, artistic black woman living her life with her black daughters, and she's she's doing it for herself with a partner, and she's kicking ass. Mic drop. She's fantastic. She's a troubled kid. She her parents didn't know what to do with her. She, it, it, you know, she's not the princess. She didn't come down by bubble. She was, she was difficult. Her parents didn't know what to do with her. They put her. She had, she, she had, she struggled with suicidal thoughts and tendencies, and she, you know, she struggled. And she put it. She put the time in. She wasn't blessed, and she has become royalty. The end. Order McDonald. We go first. You cite your royalty. I'm citing a goddess. Who? Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald. Dude, if I could, if, like. Yo, yo, Queen I, of Jazz, I, First Lady in Song. We should stipulate. We should make stipulations. Too should, late, too late. I have already <laughs> named her. I have already named her. Get credit for her. <laughs> but I think we should stipulate Ella. I think we should stipulate uh, Martin Luther King. I think. Well, we, Martin Luther King. Yeah, I figured he was already. We got to stipulate. Yeah. We got to stipulate that. <laughs> yeah, but Ella. Oh, oh no. I think Ella is the best female voice of the 20th century. Agreed. Bar, bar Agreed. None. A bar none. Yes. No one yeah. did a song no. like Ella Fitzgerald. Jesus, Nobody. she yeah. could sing. Nobody did. Everything about everything about her voice. Two of my favorite albums are the ones she recorded with Louis Armstrong. Oh, you really? have those? Oh my God! I have them. Oh, they're great. My favorite is the one in Berlin where she fucks up the lyrics to Mac the Knife. Yes, I love that. That's great. She wins a Grammy. Yep. She I fucks know. up the lyrics. She I wins know. an award. You know what? I also have an idea for a musical, which I hesitate to mention because it's really good, and some bitch out there is going to take it. But an Ella-centered musical. Yeah, I'm surprised no one's done any so far. There's probably control, there's probably rights fights over the rights. Oh my god, the music, the stuff, music, because you know? she sang everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jesus Christ, I I actually saw her sing live. Oh wow, I really did. It was at uh, Radio City Music Hall. Oh, and it god. had to be the very very end. She first of all, she still had both legs. Okay, okay. Uh, she, but but she was walked out onto the stage. And she sat at a stool. And that process took about 90 seconds, two minutes <laughs> tops. And it felt like forever. And it was heartbreaking. And it was it was painful. This old, frail woman who, who you knew was in pain. Something on her body hurt her right now. She was in pain somewhere. And the music started and she sang and it was the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life because she did not sound like a frail old woman whose toes hurt. She sounded like Ella Fitzgerald did back in the day. Okay. Like she was, the voice never faltered. Yeah. Never, never moved. It. Never, the body rotted and eventually wow. she, she, she gave a leg. And I, it was brutal for yeah. Ella. And you know what? Not for nothing, which I learned in researching my idea for a musical here, Ella's beginning was not so nice. No. She was not brought up in a very... Oh, no. No, she wasn't. But yeah, oh, no. I fully support the Ella Fitzgerald. I mean, you fully would. support the Ella Fitzgerald. So who's your number two choice? My number two choice. I mean, you may be able to see what I'm doing here. Okay. Okay. RuPaul. Gee. 
Let me say, I'm sorry. RuPaul did for a community of people what nobody else could have done. And he gave he gave people a gift. Okay. And it will expand and it has expanded beyond his initially target community to include a greater, you know, it, it, it goes beyond gay people, trans people. It goes beyond that. It, it, the appeal of what he does and his reach is amazing. Too. Cool. RuPaul. I love RuPaul. I, I, I love me that. some RuPaul. Kind of figured that. And it's not just a queenie thing. It's like he he did an amazing fuck. He's had an amazing time. Yeah. The crazy things. Right. Who's yours? My number two choice. I'm not sure you've heard of this person. Okay. His name is Robert Smalls. No. I saw memes about him pop up every now and again. And I was like, really? So I went to go look who this guy up and learn about him. And I was like, wow. He was born in 1839, a slave in South Carolina. And he was eventually hired out to work as a longshoreman down to docks in Charleston. And when the Civil War broke out, he was assigned to steering a survey ship. To survey the oh god, I know the story. Go ahead. And there were other slaves also who were members of the crew. So he hatched a plan of escaping, and he arranged to have all the slaves. I guess the previously the slaves' families would come to visit them when the ship was in dock, and so he arranged for this one night to have them on the ship. There, get on, and they all get on the ship and like, oh, we're escaping. (laughs) And some of them kind of freaked out. See you in Boston. And Mr. Robert Smalls, he puts on because. I guess they were in dock, and I guess the crew was off ship. They just left the slaves uh, on the ship. Uh, and he puts on the captain's uniform, and he's on the deck of the ship. And I guess back then, with the ships passing during a war, of course, a civil war, they used hand signals to identify themselves. He knew all the hand, knew signals. The hand signals. So the ship got past five Confederate forts, <laughs> including Fort Sumter. That was the very last fort, the most dangerous of them. But they got past all of them. They eventually hooked up with a Union fleet nearby. He was hailed as a hero in the newspapers and everything. Why don't I know his name? How is it possible? There's a story that he was on a streetcar in Philadelphia in 1864. He was ordered to give up his seat to a white passenger. Then rather than just ride on the, uh, the overflow platform, he got off the car. And because he was a veteran, that the people knew who he was, the city of Philadelphia then... Integrated public transportation. Wow. As a result of what happened to him in 1867. Wow. He eventually also received a, 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 a it took like 30 years, but he eventually got a military pension in 1897, which he got $30 a month, which back then was a lot well, of money. And he could survive on For that. a military pension. After the war, he went into business. He opened a store that, ca- that catered to black people. He also co formed a black owned railway line in Charleston. And he also owned and published a newspaper there. Huh. In 1868, he was elected to the state legislature. 1874, he was elected to the U.S. House. He served there till 1879, and then again from 1882 to 1883. He died in 1915. On his grave, they have his words written there. It says, My race needs no special defense, for the past history of them in this country proves them to be the equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. Well, that's just true. Uh, I, I, Amazing I life. I don't know this man's name. I d- only knew about him in this past year. And what's that his I name? Looked him up. Robert Smalls. 
I, I can't believe that. <coughs> uh, I don't know his name. Because we don't learn. This is the kind of stuff we don't learn about in You're school. You're killing me, you Smalls. Know? You're killing me. So who's your number three choice? Can I combine? No. The, you know, the Obamas. Okay. Come on. It's not... I'm not... Because I don't mean just him. Okay. It's them as a couple. It's them as what they represent. It's them as parents. It's them as uh, ambassadors. It's them uh, as a couple. So I, I need to say the Obamas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's it. You could, you could argue. Nope. I'm not going to argue. There's no uh, argue. Why would, why, why argue would you argue with the perfect answer? <laughs> Go ahead. My next choice is James Baldwin. The writer. The writer. He wrote some shit. Well, he's known in gay circles for writing Giovanni's Room. He's basically one of the first people to write about gay black men from a black man's perspective. Okay. He was also an activist, was quite active in the 60s civil rights movement. I've read I've read a few things that he's written and stuff, but I probably best know him from on YouTube, seeing clips of him from the 60s. One where he's having he's in a debate with William F. D- uh, Buckley at oh, some Jesus. university. And then other ones are appearances on the Dick Cavett show. Wow. And the man just mesmerizes me when he when he spoke. He he's just yeah. an incredible speaker. And I ended up watching a documentary on him on Netflix. I came out a couple of years ago. Just an incredible... I mean, he was a gay black man. He actually left the United States for like nine years because he was sick of all the racism yeah, and discrimination. Yeah, yeah. What's but, her name with the bananas? But then he eventually... Like Josephine Baker. Exactly. But he eventually came back. Did he go to France? Yes, yeah, he was in Did France. Did he really? Yeah, yeah, he was in France for a while. Yeah, so James Baldwin, one of my definitely one of my heroes. Nice. I mean, yeah, can't say enough good things about yeah. the man. Okay. Right. Who's next on your list? Uh, Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens. Wow. Jesse Owens went toe to toe with Nazis. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And. Mm-hmm. They tortured him, and his own teammates tortured him, and they did horrible things. Oh, they mocked him. He was treated they, 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 he had something about the shoes. Jesse Owens. Yeah. Jesse Owens said, fuck. F- uh, fuck you, everybody. I'm a rock. Hitler wouldn't stay for the award ceremony. You know, <laughs> just, you know he, he fought the people who were on his bus all the way up to the Chancellor of Germany. Everybody wanted this guy to fail. Yeah. Jesse Owens. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, Great choice. Blew my mind. Great choice. Jesse Owens blows my mind. Excellent choice. My next choice, Sylvester. You're such a fan. You're so, <laughs> so relentlessly gay. Yeah. Yes, I am. Sylvester. Tell me about the contribution Sylvester made. A black gay man in 60s and 70s music was unheard of. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. And he was front and center. He was the one who wore, like, the the, the goldfish in his shoes. Like, he was out there. He wore outrageous outfits. (laughs) Outrageous outfits. Sylvester was fun. A phenomenal performer. I have his live album, which I love listening to. I can listen to it again and again. He does this really cute version of the Beatles song, Blackbird. Which okay. I really like. That's it has funny. all these backup singers and everything. It's really, really good album. I, I can't say enough good things about it. He, to me. He he is the queen of disco. You know what's so funny? You always mention Sylvester. Like when the appropriate time comes up, you, Sylvester is always up there. You you've mentioned him more than once. I yeah. Uh, I it's interesting to me. Sylvester, Sylvester is my RuPaul. It's okay. Uh, right. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, there you go. I can I can I can buy that. And who is your final choice? Harriet. Harriet Tubman. Ah, okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, how far down did that woman reach to do what she did? Yeah. Well, how much fear and doubt and... I mean, she was a spy. Oh, my you. God. She was served oh as a spy. God. She was a slave. Yeah. Uh, mind-blowing. Far, yeah. Completely mind-blowing. Where do you get the the balls, the guts, the gumption, the idea? Where, how did that happen? What, uh, amazing. <coughs> amazing right? to me. With that, with that woman and probably hundreds of thousands just like her who we never heard their names. Yes. Did. Or just like her who got caught and suffered the consequences did. But... That is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. It is. And selfless. Completely selfless. Yep. She would have been dead immediately if anybody knew what oh, she was doing. of course. Of course. They would have killed her then. On the spot. On the spot. Right? Yeah. That's, it's an amazing thing. It's a show of strength that I, I can't reach. I can't understand. I don't, I don't know where sh- people find that sort of defiance. Yeah. It's amazing to me. It's amazing. How do you tell me it amazes the shit out of me? I want her to look pretty for herself. She always looks, she got the schmata, she got the real. Yeah, she was a slave and she wasn't she just didn't have time to, to look pretty. She, she wasn't going to Tiffany's, but but for her, just just I think I think she deserves I don't know. Maybe I'm being sexist and disgusting. Maybe somebody'll tell me for sure. But yeah, Harriet. Harriet, your last my final choice. Neil deGrasse Tyson. I love Neil. He's such a little bitch though. <laughs> what do you think he's a little bit? He's such a little bit. Because he's got to get the last word. He's got to be right. He's got to you know, poke I, lo- I love got, that. I he, love that about him. Yeah, you would. I do. I love that about him. It's about. And this is a black man having the last word. Yeah. yeah Usually yeah. it's the white man having the last yeah. word. No, 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 no. This is the black man having the last and, word. And he's, he's really, really fucking smart. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, what I love about him is how he communicates science yes. to the masses. Yeah, yeah. He is so fucking good at that. Yeah, he really he is. is. He's he really, amazing at that. Yeah, he can break it down. Yeah, he really. It's like kind of reassuring when you hear him explain some of these these matters to you. You know, well, he makes it so I can understand it. Yeah, that's whatever what he does. He's, whatever he's talking about. But wasn't he the one who took Pluto's planet status away? Doesn't he get? I don't know if he was involved Pluto's, in that or not. I think he was involved in it. <laughs> Well, I look that up. I think Neil deGrasse Tyson and DG. I mean, I know he had other issues. They were sexual misconduct. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. Nothing ever materialized. Nothing ever happened with that. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Pluto. I think he was the one, or he was amongst the committee, who who took away Pluto's planet. Ship. Okay, I'm done. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's. uh, He. Well, I don't know if he was involved in it, but he definitely supported. Declassifying Pluto as a planet. He he supported it. Yep. He uh, talks about how Pluto's orbit... He was on Stephen Colbert on 2017. That, you know what, that is always a great And he talked about how Pluto's orbit crosses Neptune's orbit from time to time. And he says, that's no kind of behavior for a planet. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's very funny. And it's true. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stephen Colbert is... What a great combo that must be, right? But yeah, I yeah, I can't well, say enough good things about him. What's that? He's a great guest. Yeah, Neil. I mean, I've seen him on so many different venues yeah. and shows that he's been on, and yeah, he's he's a great guest every time. Yeah, so smart, so fucking smart. Right? But he could talk to me like a person. Yes, I like that. We are now at the final segment of 
The grumpy old gay men gripe of the week. Snow. Snow. Fuck you. Snow. Fuck you every inch of it. And we got two feet of it. And it's snow. Snow. That's snow. your gripe? That is my fucking gripe. Fuck you, snow. The shovel to the mounds of snow. We have snow mounds going to be here till May. I'm not lying. And if it snows again... There's no, there's no doubt they're going to be here well into the spring. So does this mean next week, if it snows, that that will be your gripe next week? <laughs> yeah, it'll be my gripe. <laughs> it, just blanket it. If it snows, I'm fucking griping. <laughs> Fuck you. No, it's too much. It's too much. It's too, it takes up too much space on the roads. The piles you can't see around. No. And I know I sound old. Yeah. Uh, I talk about mean- I can't see around snow mounds to drive. But these, it's come on, Patrick. It's mountainous. Mountainous. There, it's mountainous. mountainous. There are huge mountains <laughs> of snow on every corner. For, and it's gonna, it's gonna. There turn are hillocks. There are hillocks. They, uh, <laughs> it's gonna turn black, and then it's gonna turn that lacy sort of icy disgustingness, and then it's gonna slowly melt, and then June is gonna come, and we're gonna have a, a fucking locust come through the snow. The snow's gonna be here forever. I, uh, I can't. <laughs> Can't you can't drive? Your car's always dirty. Yeah, I no, no, no. Snow, fuck you, snow. Yeah, anybody. Who this message it. has been brought to you by the yeah. Snowblowers Association of America. Yeah, come over, <laughs> ski on my ass. Fuck you. No, I don't like it. I don't like it. Good to know. Okay, for what anybody's gonna get out of that. Go ahead. What's like, next? You want to hear my gripe? Go ahead, tell me your gripe. Wordle. Oh, that's so funny. If I have to see any more goddamn fucking postings of Wordle oh, on Facebook. Stop. First of all. Have you played? No. I don't know. First of all, I don't play f- games on my phone. Uh, I oh. never do. I use my phone to make phone calls. Unheard of, but yes, it's true. I Nobody use makes make phone calls. calls I do. I use it to send text messages. I use it to read the news or to look up something. Let me ask you a question. I look, or do you go on to social media? But I don't use it to stare at the screen and use the little buttons on my thumbs to stare at this little fucking screen to play any fucking games. If I want to play games, I can play it on my computer when I get home. Do you have a special pouch on your walker for your cell phone? Like, in your walker, with your old man walker, or your old man cane, or your old man, are you my nurse? Uh, uh, how, is your cell phone accessible to you? You can get to it? No, my personal assistant will be there with my cell phone. Yeah, of course you will. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is a grumpy old man gripe, man. That is grumpy. But, the thing is, you want to play your game, Wordle? Fine. I don't need to see it on fucking social media or Fucking day long. Uh, that kind of stuff. That would be like me post. That'd be like me posting my scores on a solitaire game all day long. Would you like me to do that? No. Some people might play with you. I don't want to play any games of anybody. Which is why (laughs) I play the game, but don't post. Well, that's what you should do. I've gone and discovered Wordle, but I would never have discovered Wordle without it being posted on social media. Which Wordle hasn't changed my life in any way. It's just oh my! It's just so easy how the public is manipulated to playing these games. How many game cycles have we gone through where these games are all the rage on the freaking social media? 
Think of all the games that we've gone through. Oh, they're also really, they're really hot and popular. Angry Birds. I miss Remember Farm- Angry Birds? I miss Farmville. Farmville. Yeah, there were whole cycles with it. I still got some this game. wheat planted somewhere. This game. Yeah, I get you. It's annoying. But you know what it's annoying too is... I used to hate when I used to see the fucking kids in that fucking Pokemon game that they were all playing oh. where they had to go to the site and scan it. I was just like, go the fuck home. Adopt a pet and then train it to kill. Or like, oh, it's all the pictures of everybody's backyard now in the snow. Yes, I know what a barbecue looks like with snow on it. Thank you for the picture of the snow on your car. That, yeah, I know what snow looks like on a pine tree, uh, Janice. Thank you. I know. And now that I've complained about this, I'm sure people now are going to be posting their wordle shit more than ever. Well, there's only 900 people, so how, who are you worried about? <laughs> Word will get out. Word will get out. Word will get Word, out. Okay. Wordle will get out. <laughs> I, I, I find it hard to get... Uh, I, fi- I find much more upsetting any pictures of food. I, I Why? You got to post your food? Why you got to post your food? I don't know. I, I Christmas I don't generally post food. We, we post like the Christmas and Thanksgiving when we're all at the table together. We post uh, that. Yeah. But, but I don't yes. like, this is my lunch. No, I don't do yeah, that. Well, no. Great lunch today. Yeah. Bunch of bar shoes. I never got into that. Yeah. You know. Uh, Show yeah. me your puppies. I love your dogs. Exactly. Show me your show dogs. Me dogs. Uh, you I know. can't get enough of dogs. I don't know how many people on Twitter I'm following because of the dogs. Dog it's ridiculous. Oh, my, oh God. my God. There is a dog There is a dog video. I don't know what it's called, but but it is about a, a black lab, I'm guessing, because it was a black Labrador-looking animal. Okay. And an elephant <laughs> that lived together in an elephant rescue in South Carolina. Oh, my God. And they became best friends. The thing about dogs is that they're going to be everybody's friend. Of they course. come at everybody with be my friend first. Even though, like, my fucking... Like, this dogs are great companions. This fucking you know? dog, Louie, he barks at everything. He barks at everything he wants to go play with. But you sound like a vicious, horrible beast. Oh, well, that's her, to, too. Nobody yeah. wants to play with you. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's Why don't you know. stop and behave yourself? Yeah, no, they never do. I try to teach him. I know. I'm Abigail too. And nope, it's useless. No, no, he's got useless. a bark. Bark like his ass is on fire to go play with somebody. Anyway, now that we've gone off on another tangent. Okay. Tangent TV. <gasps> That's the million dollar idea. Tangent TV. Tangent TV. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to go on camera for that? No. You won't go on camera for this. I won't go on camera. Well, for then this. scratch that idea. No, no. That I got every Tuesday night. I got to make. I got. You bring. You bring makeup people in. You bring makeup who specialize in old man makeup in. You bring wardrobe. In. I'll call a mortician and they do great work. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of our gripe of the week segment. Yeah. Stop posting your fucking wordle scores. Go play, but just don't share it with the world. We now move on to the end of our show. I enjoy Wordle. Any plans for the weekend, Tommy? I'm working this weekend at Bayway Art Center over there in your friendly East Islip neighborhood of East Islip. And what show is playing there this uh, weekend? It's the opening weekend, actually, of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Ah, yes. The play so, based on the movie uh, with Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn and Sidney Poitier. And as they're hoping to, to, to cash in on the Sidney Poitier connection. Yes. Uh, which is morbid and ridiculous because if I wanted to see Sidney Poitier, I wouldn't go to see it in the theater. I'd fucking read the movie to see Sidney Poitier. But they don't ask me about marketing. I bake. 
cookies. So I get to work. So I'm working this weekend over there. And then the following weekend, there's another opening at another theater. The other theater is opening History Boys, which I'm actually very excited about because although I've read, I've never seen staged. I was in a production some years ago. Uh, History Boys. Yeah, I played the lead, Hector. Yeah, but you weren't one of the boys. No. No, you were the dirty Actually, our youthful award, Bryce, was, and he's in the production that's going to be opening up in two weeks. In two weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so you were the dirty old man? Yes, I was. Yeah. All right. Yep, I was the the bad guy. What are you doing this weekend? Absolutely nothing planned. No plans. It's like we're enjoying the weekend off. It's our first weekend off in about over three weeks goes to the show. Three weeks. So, yeah, we have no plans at all this weekend. All right. So you're going to sit on your fat white asses and enjoy that. (laughs) I don't know how. (laughs) I can't imagine how. Anyway, we want to thank my husband and producer, Stephen Prendergast. We also want to remind you that we are available on many podcast providers. Please make use of them. (laughs) All of them? Well, not all. Maybe you leave one off. Uh, um, uh, uh, Experiment with others. Yes. Take 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 a look over there on your uh, WhatsApp. What's it called? What's it called? Can you see? What? I don't know a name. Of what? A podcast survivor that we're on. Oh, you're bad at this. <laughs> Sorry. You are bad. You are so bad at this. Oh, shut up. Go ahead. Continue with your closing credits. Also, we have our website, www.grumpyoldgameandtheirdogs.com. Ask them to donate for a Foley table. Yes, yes. Donate money for a Foley table. We're going to have a fundraiser. But on our website, you can find our blog where we post all of our episodes as well as bonus material for our episodes. You're a bonus. Yeah, I'll give you a bonus, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And talk to us. Say something nice or say something horrible. Oh, better. Yes. Say something horrible. We always appreciate your comments. We also appreciate, we, we, I mean, already know we, uh, people sent us corrections. We got one last week. Was that Mickey? Was that the no, about the Pledge of Allegiance? Well, it was not really a correction, but she updated us on the no, state but she of the also, Pledge of Allegiance. She also let us know about what's, her, what's his name, who was not Catholic, who died. Oh. Black guy, South Africa. Benazir Budo. No, uh, no, not Benazir Budo. Benazir Budo. Uh, Desmond Tutu. Desmond Tutu. Budo is Pakistan. He was Anglican in that Sorry. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, educate us, bitches. Yes. You know shit? Tell us. Yeah. Please, give us an idea for a topic. Right. Or a guest. Yeah. Or be a guest yourself. That's right. We always welcome guest spots on our show. You can call us. You have to be available Tuesday somewhere between, like, 7.30 and 10. Yeah. Because that's when we film. Right. Uh, yeah, what else you got? Are we done? That's it. I think we're done. On that note, we bid you a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next week. Bye, bitches!